Welcome to Lakeside. Glad you're here today. Uh, my name is Dave Ralph. I'm one of the pastor elders here. And uh, we're in one, the third week of walking through our roadmap that we call Life at Lakeside. Uh, two weeks ago, Nate started us off talking about Connect. Last week, Randy uh, helped us consider our growth in Christ. And this week, we'll be talking about the third part of our model, how we should be serving the Lord and each other. Now, the serve section of this model has as its stated purpose that we will all share the love of Jesus through serving our church family and our neighbors. And I want to point out that this model, uh, Connect, Grow, Serve, Show, is not linear on purpose. It's not like a one-line path. You may begin in the Connect piece. That, that kind of makes sense to start there. But the ultimate is that we're involved in all four at the same time. You know, we're constantly connecting with new people or connecting deeper with people. Uh, we're constantly growing. We're always serving in some capacity. And we're seeking to always be showing others the love of Jesus. So back to serving. I don't think it's a stretch today or to say that we don't like the idea of being the servant, right? Humans in general don't want to serve. They don't want to be the server they don't want a life of service. They say, like, lay, like I'm not one of them. We. Uh, and, but, of course, there's many great careers that are in service, right? Militaries in service, restaurants, and in other ways. But I'm really talking about aspirations, right? People aspire to be the one being served, not the one doing the serving. You know, do you want to be the one feeding the grapes, or do you want to be the one eating the grapes, right? <laughs> As humans, you know, we, we think that way. Uh, but nowadays, in the 21st century, I think we feel more comfortable with the word volunteer, right? Okay, fine. We'll, we'll say volunteering. Volunteering for the Red Cross, that's serving. Volunteering at your kid's school, that's serving. Volunteering here at Lakeside, you know, that's serving. Um, you know, that's what we're talking about. Um, and this is a volunteer organization, I don't know if you thought about it that way before. The only way any of this happens is through volunteers. You know, we have four staff members. If we totally relied on everything, them to do everything, then not much would get done. As great as they are. Um, but you may be thinking, so I'm connected and I'm growing so that I can serve? I mean, that's the next step of my life at Lakeside? In a way, to, as humans, that seems counterintuitive. But the short answer is yes. But we didn't make it up. You know, as with all our teaching here at uh, Lakeside, uh, we follow what God has shown us in the Bible. We're going to see the example uh, that Jesus set for us, and we're going to talk about how to practically apply it to our lives here at Lakeside with the overall idea that the best way for us to live out our love for God is by serving our church family and our community. So let's take a look at what Jesus had to say about serving. But better, you know, better yet, we're going to take a look at how Jesus modeled serving, which is more effective for most of us anyway, right? Um, have you ever been a coach or a teacher? If you're, if you're a parent, you have been. Right? You know, your, your kid is not going to learn how to brush their teeth by you saying, hey, brush your teeth. No, you've got to demonstrate it, right? You've got to take their hand and hold it, you know. You need to help them learn how to do it. 
So, okay, here it is. Let's take a look at John 13, 1 to 17, and we'll see how Jesus modeled that serving for the disciples. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my head and my hands. My hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now check check out the last three verses, right? Jesus is saying, hey you, 2,000 years from now, this part right here is for you. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do just what I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's not just an academic exercise. We need to do them. So I just have two points today. One, why should we serve? And B, how should we serve? But I don't know about you. Some of these stories I've heard over and over, I just gloss over sometimes. I miss significant points. So let me give you a little bit of background. All right. So folks at this time mostly wore open-toed shoes or, or barefoot or, you know, and they also walked on roads that were made of dirt or if they had a fancy Roman road, it might be stone or crushed shells. But, um, you know, also at this time, the modes of transportation were camel power, horsepower, and donkey power. The exhaust from which was kind of messy on the roads, right? You know, now walk in the sweaty heat, open shoes, dirty roads, and folks' feet need a lot of washing before they went into somebody's house. And I'm thinking, there should be a bucket of water outside the house like my mom used to have for us, right? She had four boys who loved to play in the dirt and the sand and, or play baseball at the local playground all day. And uh, my mom would put two buckets of water outside the house, one with soapy water and one with clear water, right? She would make us clean up before we went inside for dinner. 
Apparently, we have no pictures of us messy. She only took pictures of us when we were well put together. Uh, But in Jesus' day, household servants would wash the visitor's feet, right? That's a job most Jewish servants wouldn't even do. They would leave it to the Gentile or non-Jewish servants to do. You know, it's like, hey, Hekeliah, you're the new servant? Guess what you get to do? I'm thinking that's an entry-level job. But Jesus and his disciples, you know, they're having a nice, maybe perhaps even a moving evening. And Jesus decides he's going to talk to them about serving others. You know, he had already coached them when they were trying to determine who is the greatest and who would sit next to him in his kingdom. So now the time for a very real, possibly painful lesson. And I imagine he spoke as he moved. I encourage you people to read uh, the Bible in a way, in its literature, in a way, and see the things that are in between the lines. And I see he takes off his shirt, he gets the bowls ready, grabs a towel. I'm sure his disciples are going, what What is he doing? Then perhaps he motions to the closest disciple, closest to the bowls, and that guy's like, what What do you want me to do? Okay. Mama didn't raise no fool. I'm taking a free foot bath, you know. But Jesus then proceeds to wash that disciple's feet, you know, those nasty, dirty feet. So think about this. You know, the disciples and many people call Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. He is the one above the students or above the disciples. He takes each of the disciples' feet and washes them. What an act of service. And the Bible doesn't record uh, their reactions or what they said other than Peter. Uh, but I would think they're pretty shocked. You know, and I can understand if they were thinking, what does this mean? You know, I don't know what he's doing. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, right? So he told them. He said, yeah, if the teacher who is above the students washed other people's feet, you should too. But it goes deeper than that. Right? So when he came to Peter, basically saying when he came to Peter, maybe he had done some other disciples' feet already. Um, Peter was aghast. Right? If you read that literature and the feel the emotion in there, he says, you're not going to do the job that's even fit for a servant. And Jesus told them that if he doesn't wash Peter's feet, Peter can have no association with Jesus. Then Peter, being Peter, you know, he wants to take a whole bath. Right? You know, I hope Jesus chuckled. I really, it deserves a chuckle there at Peter's response and said, but he patiently explained that Peter didn't need to do that. You know, and what Peter meant is that, or what Jesus meant is that Peter was already a believer. He had already been washed completely with living water. He didn't need to do that again. But as a human, he, like us, still make mistakes and and need to confess Uh, and have his feet washed and be ready to have a close relationship with Jesus. So don't get lost, uh, you know, in the physical, the spiritual, you know, comparison because the lesson surely is spiritual in nature. Jesus simply chose a physical representation to make the point, which is, you know, why we don't actually wash people's feet here. Though some of y'all could probably use it. (laughs) So two things I want to point out about Jesus uh, washing the disciples' feet. One is that humble model of service, which is the point of today's uh, message. 
And two, I was reading something by Ed Stetzer, and he pointed out that Jesus was also modeling leadership. And I thought that was kind of insightful for me. Um, Have you ever experienced a leader who thought they were just all that in a bag of chips? You know, I have many times. (laughs) I can't imagine any of those leaders thinking that they should be serving the people they're leading. And the point is, really should hit hard for us pastor elders, right? I'm no better than you. I'm simply listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit to fill this role at this time. You know, my job is to serve God and serve you through my leadership. And this is a tough lesson for many leaders. Some think that's just the wrong way to do things. Uh, some, think, some don't understand it and some can't get past their pride. But it's a great lesson for us Uh, who are in leadership. Jesus gave us that great example of how to demonstrate our love for him by humbly serving others. Jesus did what was out out of the ordinary for a teacher, and he did it gracefully, patiently, confidently, knowing the impact it would make on the disciples and the rest of the human race since then. Serving the Lord and others is a natural manifestation of supernatural Christian growth. The Bible often talks about fruit as a result of growth. Randy talked about growth last week, and serving is just what comes out of that growth. Of course, it has to be genuine. Just because you serve in some way doesn't mean you're growing in your faith. And, uh, but that growth in your faith results in serving is also a way that we set an example to those who are younger in the faith or those who need encouragement in the faith. I see, I see so-and-so serving in some way, And that should spur me to consider serving in some way. And this growth in our faith, or my faith, must begin at the beginning, right? All this talk about growth and serving doesn't mean anything unless you know Jesus is your Savior. And I want to make this very clear. Each of us has to come to a point sometime that we put our faith and trust in Jesus and say, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. And I know that Jesus is God and came to earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross in my place or in my place for my sins. And I accept what Jesus did for me and give my life to him. Without this experience in your life, without having that seed sprouted, no growth is going to happen. It's a very good time, we thought, uh, to think about what Jesus has done for each of us. Ushers are going to come now and serve the bread and juice for communion. If you're a believer in what Jesus did for you, you know, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, as we read in Romans 10.9, we encourage you to take part of this. The ushers will pass the bread down the aisle. and If you are participating, please take one and pass it on. Don't feel pressure to do this. You can just pass the plate down if you like. Uh, And you can take the bread whenever you're ready, or you can wait for me to do it. That's fine. But I do encourage you to take some time in contemplation before you do. Christ sacrificially served us by coming to earth and ultimately by dying on the cross. Matthew 20, 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The bread represents Jesus' broken body 
It is simply a picture to remind us of what he did. Jesus instructed us to remember what he did on a regular basis. He is God, came down to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, and died in our place, my place on the cross. And he rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, and is there now with uh, God the Father. Let's take a moment this morning. I'm going to pray. And let's examine our hearts, asking for the Lord, Holy Spirit's help, confess any sin or bitterness or whatever may be stopping us from being in a good relationship with him. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Thank you for your word that helps us know you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us. Thank you, Lord, that we can serve you. But we thank you most for how Jesus served us by dying on the cross. Thank you for this bread representing his body and juice representing his blood. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus' work for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now the juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed. His blood washed away the sin of the world, and that's a lot of sin. And that's just me. And as if that were not enough, during that same evening in which he washed his disciples' feet, Jesus points out that the shedding of his blood was a covenant, a solemn binding promise of the power of the forgiveness of sins through his blood. That means it's so. There are many people whom this idea seems impossible or just flat out wrong, but that unbelief doesn't make it any less true. And as as the juice comes by, just take the cup out of the tray and pass it by, and then you can take the juice uh, when you're ready. Well, let's take another moment this morning to examine our hearts thank him for making a way for us to spend eternity in heaven thank him for his love for us and his service to us on the cross dear Lord again we thank you for your shed blood Jesus why you would do that for us that's the mystery but we thank you that you love us thank you so much this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's, that's not the end. That's just halftime. But we thought that was a good spot in the service to remember what Jesus did for us, that ultimate service that he gave us on the cross. Our first point was uh, 
why should we serve? Point B is how should we serve? And I know, one and B. I, I, I'll point that out here in a second. Uh, I want to tackle the, uh, the question of how should we serve by considering three things. Gratitude, attitude, fortitude. Right? Serving God is a way of thanking him for our salvation and everything that God provides for us and showing our love uh, for him and others. And when, you know, when someone does something nice for you, don't you want to do something nice back? Right? You know, I, even unbelievers, you know, roll that way, right? We call it common courtesy or paying it forward, you know, if you do it to somebody else. But as believers in Jesus, we have additional motivation, a much higher motivation to give back or, or pay it forward or however you like to think of it. Randy mentioned last week that God equipped each one of us in a unique way to do just that. Isn't that cool? You know, aren't you thankful for that? He has given us the tools through the Holy Spirit to serve and bless this community of people here at Lakeside, the greater church, and communities around us. Don't you hate trying to do jobs with the wrong tools or, the, or broken tools? It's... You know, it's frustrating, right? So I've been working remotely for about two and a half years. I work for Stellantis. I know you, nobody has any idea what that is. Chrysler. <laughs> uh, and been working at home for two and a half years. And getting, like, computer and phone support is a real pain. I used to be able to just walk down. We call it the blue room. I'm sure there's some technical term for it. And get anything fixed. Bam. Walk in there. Boom. Fix it. Yay. You know, it's so nice. Uh, I got a new manager in the middle of all this remote work, and her computer, they, like the hinge of the screen, wouldn't even stay up. It would just, and she had to like prop it up with books for like six months before she could get it fixed. Going oh, so bad, how embarrassing. But uh, we can be thankful that God has provided us with, with what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. A few are listed here. You may have the gift of hospitality or service or teaching or encouragement. There are several of them. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7a. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's everybody sharing. So, uh, have you ever taken a spiritual gift survey? Raise your hand if you've taken a spiritual gift survey. You don't even know what that is. Okay. So, some of us haven't. But it can help guide you on how God made you and help you understand how to leverage your gifts. My main gifts are service and teaching. All right? You know, I understand that my place is a place of Aaron. Not this Aaron. He's, he's got his own gifts. <laughs> this, you know, the Aaron that was, uh, you know, the priest uh, of Israel. Moses' brother Aaron, he wasn't the lead guy, right? He was the lead guy's support team, right? So he was faithful, though imperfect. You know, the old golden calf thing. But he also, uh, he was given some leadership responsibility based on the situation or the need. And I think that's me. 
I thank God for these gifts, and, and I love to use them for him and others. Um, we are all part of the body, and we need everyone to be using their gifts. Here's what Romans 12, 4 to 6a says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I think Paul is remembering, you know, Jesus said, hey, do these things. Uh, we are at our best when every part is working together, using our unique and varied uh, talents and gifts. Again, this is a volunteer organization with four paid staff members. If we let them do all the work, what would church actually look like? It, it wouldn't be this, you know, well done and clean. Four people, whoever they are, can't do all that needs to be done. So, do you know how many people it takes to run a normal church at 11 o'clock? I, yeah, I didn't either. I was, I was curious. So, I counted it up. It's over 30 people it takes to run a Sunday morning, right? We need, at minimum, 12 people in blast. Uh, we need, on average, you know, say five or six people on the music team. We need three or four in the booth. We need two, maybe two greeters. We need two people to do the coffee, right? Those people are important. You know, we need one host. We had a video today, but uh, we need a speaker. We need at least uh, one or two people on security. We have at least a couple or even more people cleaning the church in the week before Sunday. We have at least two deacons, and we have six pastor elders doing various tasks on a Sunday morning. But here, the thing is, is at Lakeside, we don't ask people to work 52 weeks a year, except our paid staff. <laughs> the volunteers, we don't ask. You know, if, uh, you know, in some churches, if you volunteer for something, you're it till you quit, right? Maybe you've been there before. But um, we have a healthy rotating system in every area, and that means oh, that list that I just showed, we need twice as many people. We need 12 more people in blast. We need five more in music. We need three more in the sound booth greeting. We've got four more teachers. We have, you know, different hosts, maintenance, coffee, security, you know, and that really doesn't include backups. When, uh, when team number one, team member number one is on vacation and their person who rotates with has COVID, they look down the bench and they see me sitting there Get in the game. It's like, okay. You know, so we need you, right? It's great to be able to enjoy the service, with, service without any obligations, and, which I love to do too. But at some point, we need everyone's involvement. You know, you may be wondering, what would be the best place for you to serve? And the first step is to understand your gifts. But then as the great philosopher Bo Jackson once said, just do it. You know, if you are wondering, please see myself or the other pastor elders or Nance in the office. We can find a place for you. My first experience serving, I was going to a big church at the time. My family was going to a big church. And uh, it was in seventh grade. 
And uh, Mrs. Parker asked myself and my buddy Rusty if we would do puppet shows for the elementary school kids down at junior church. That means we're in the basement during big church, you know, during the preaching service. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to Mrs. Parker for giving me that first opportunity. You know, she didn't ask us because we were great puppeteers. I'm sure it was terrible, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the kids, they have really low standards. So they thought it was hilarious, right? So, uh, you know, we did that several times for Mrs. Parker, and we did, and then she expanded our duties, and we actually got into family, family feud was big with Richard Dawson at the time, and we would do friendly feud, and so I'd wear a garish outfit and play friendly feud with the kids. But that was my first opportunity to serve, right? And I admit that my motivation wasn't to model Jesus' example of service. It was so I didn't have to sit in the preaching service. <laughs> you know, that was the truth of it, right? Fortunately, my attitude towards service has changed over the years, but uh, that's where I got my start. And since then, I've been blessed to have done almost every job in the church. So I've been on serving teams. I know what it's like. And I love to see people serving, especially young people. On many Sundays, you'll see young people in the booth. You'll see them up here. They're helping in blast. So we really appreciate that. And it's a great opportunity for them to uh, get involved. Um, I found a bit of research, uh, a little bit of data from a place called Hartford Data. They said before COVID, the average church had 40% of people volunteering. Since COVID, the data shows that now 25% of people are volunteering. It makes it hard to do things. Since Nance and I came here to Lakeside in 1999, we've always had a better than average percentage of people volunteering. We really have. Um, but even we've, even we've been struggling in the post-COVID time. So some folks are already volunteering, right? Some have volunteered for years and years and years. Some have recently begun volunteering. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, and if you, but if you haven't been volunteering, let me encourage you to get off the bench, get into the game. Just do it. Which leads me to my first application question. In which way or ways are you currently serving? In Matthew 25, Jesus points out that serving him is less about what you do and more about that you do. Matthew 25, 35 to 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did, we, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See how many ways we can serve God just in that section? You read, look through that section, uh, hospitality, there's counseling, there's practical care, there's just listening to someone, right? These, are, these things are unofficial, right? You, you don't have to be on the hospitality team to show hospitality, right? 
you can show practical care anytime, not just in a coordinated effort like we have with the Majeskis. And thank you, everybody who has helped them out. I know they appreciate it very much. But it also can be outside of Lakeside. People in your community can also benefit from your gifts and service. The point of serving with gratitude is we are thanking God for what he has done for us, how he has gifted us, and that he has given us Jesus as an example of service. John 13, 34 to 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And I want to point out that Jesus continues to serve us. He, can, he served us by dying on the cross, which is the ultimate service. He serves us now by interceding for us with God. So the second point under how should we serve is with attitude. How to do it is about your attitude. We need to have the right attitude when we serve, right? This starts with prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us how we should serve not just getting out of the preaching service. And this listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit is part of growth. Our serving flows out of our love for God. We've already said that we need to serve in love, but it takes on many forms in and outside of Lakeside. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. It says we should serve each other out of love, but God knows we can be selfish even while we serve. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. <laughs> bite and devour? That, just, that seems crazy. That seems overstated. Unless... You have been in those difficult experiences in ministry, like I know some of you have. Some of us have a tendency to want things done our way. You know, either we've been serving in one area or another for many years, or we think that person is too young or, or too old to know the best way, or we like our little team and don't think we need anybody else to join it. Let me tell you right now, just stop. Let's just stop that attitude. You're, you're not always right. You know, there's always a better way. Other people have great ideas or bring new energy to ministries all the time. So actually, some of us do things differently than others. Some people put ketchup on hot dogs. It's like, stop, oh my! An affrontery to hot dogs. Mustard only, please. British people say autumn, we say fall. It's the same thing, right? Some people use a piece of garbage Mac, you know, to work on. Other people use good computers. <laughs> you know, some people are linear thinkers and like things orderly and lined up. Some of us, that gives us a rash. You know, some of us are nonlinear thinkers, and, and we end up at the same answer, but, you know, a different route. Right? So we do things differently. It's okay. Some of us use numbers in our outline. Some use letters. Right? 
So we need everyone, right? The energy and vision of youth. We need the wisdom and experience of age. We need men. We need women. Uh, we need computer people. We need those who work with their hands. We need outgoing people and those who are happy to work in the background. It takes all kinds, and it takes all of us to do this. And also, as we serve, let's do it as to the Lord, which it is. So Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. All right, also, be present. If you're a volunteer to serve in some way, be engaged. Give your best attention, follow through. Do whatever you said you were going to do. In other words, give 100% effort. Be reliable. You know, ministries don't work right if people don't show up when they say they're going to show up or do what they said they were going to do. Make your service a priority. When you volunteer to serve, it's a commitment you make to God, not just the late side. And I need to tell you an embarrassing story of my own failure in this way. When I was a freshman in college, I was attending a large church. I talk about volunteers. It took hundreds of people to run that church. Um, so I volunteered to teach Sunday school. Right? And they assigned me the 11th grade class, high school class. I'm just a freshman in college. I mean, I wouldn't have done that, but hey, whatever. So we used a set curriculum, you know, so I would go through, study throughout the week, and teach that section on Sunday, simple enough, right? But one week, I got so busy with college and, and work, and I didn't do anything to prepare for Sunday morning. You know, you have those dreams where you go, oh, I got a test, and I didn't study. This was real life. <laughs> I, and I didn't have the skill set to fake it for 30 minutes with 20 high school kids, right? I, you know, so I just had to confess. I had to stand up in front of them like this and say, I didn't prepare anything at all. I have nothing to say this week. I mean, that's embarrassing. And that, that's a tough one. That's a tough lesson. But uh, let's look in verse, uh, in a, a verse in Luke 22 also helps us understand what attitude we should have as we serve. Luke 22, 27 for who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? That's what, as humanistically we'd say. But I am among you as one who serves. We should serve with humility, not being the one. You know, we should serve with humility, right? Not being the one who's eating the grapes, but one who's in a form of a servant like Jesus. We should also not serve to seek recognition, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this is difficult for some people. Um, some people want to be the guy or the girl and, and be seen as all spiritual and knowledgeable. You know? And, you know, as teachers up here, we don't really want you to tell us how good we've done. I mean, it's nice. But we'd rather tell you how the Holy Spirit has moved in your life about something. That's what we'd rather have. You may never be recognized for your uh, effort. Take the maintenance of the church, for instance. They're like umpires in baseball. You don't see them until something goes wrong, <laughs> right? 
Thank you to everybody who clean and maintain this building on a weekly basis. Thirdly, uh, when we are serving, we need to do it with fortitude. I was trying to come up with a modern equivalent to washing feet, other than washing feet. Uh, and Randy uh, expressed it well to me as, as being willing to get into the mess of other people's lives. Being willing to get into the mess of other people's lives, which we all have mess. But it takes courage and strength to do that. It doesn't need to be anything profound. It may simply be allowing someone to cry on your shoulder or go to lunch with someone or helping them move or crash at your house. It can be many things. Fortunately, uh, fortitude also uh, speaks uh, to continuing service, right? When Jimmy was recognized here as a pastor elder a few weeks ago, he quoted his wife, Jessica, when she encouraged him with Galatians 6.9, let us not, do, not grow weary of doing well. And this is really for those of us who have been serving a long time, right? And um, up till now, I haven't well, like pointed anybody out. Hey, they're, you know, they're doing great, whatever. But I'm going to make a couple exceptions. One is our dear sister who's with the Lord, Helen Hinton, Bill's mom. I'll tell you what, she was like 200 years old when she learned how to do email. I mean, and <laughs> if she was sitting here, I would say that too. We joke. <laughs> Um, and she did sit right there. Um, but she learned how email late in her life, technology, to encourage missionaries and email missionaries and do the prayer chain. I mean, Helen, go you. That was, she was great. Um, another is Jan Jones. If you don't know Jan, she's served for, for years and years. But we've almost lost her to heaven like three times, I think. But she's still going. She still serves. Like, she just keeps on going. Uh, but in thinking about all this today, answering the questions, why should we serve? Because it's how we thank God for saving us. It's how we show the love of Jesus to other people in and out of Lakeside. We also answered the question, how should we serve? With gratitude for what Jesus did for us, and the gifts he's given us. With the right attitude, or with gratitude, and with the right attitude toward the work uh, and others, with fortitude to do the hard things and not quit. But in all of this, please, please know that we all need to take our lead in how we should serve through prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit. Which leads us to our second question. How much time have you spent in prayer asking God where and when you should serve? That's all we're asking this morning. Spend time on your knees asking God about that. One last thing. Uh, I'll, let's all consider a healthy balance in serving as well. Some of you may be like me. You know, I want to serve everywhere, but that's not really, it's not good. Right? Early last year, I was serving as a pastor elder on the teaching team, a youth leader, a life group leader, in a discipleship group, and on the communications team. You know, I was unable to give those ministries, more important those people, you know, my best effort. You know, being spread too thin is not good for Lakeside or myself. 
So I had to back off on a few of those ministries. So for some of us, we need to consider the importance of balance. Jesus doesn't call me to serve everywhere. He calls me to be in relationship with him. And that doesn't include doing so much that I can't do a good job or I get run down. Don't put your your work for Jesus above your relationship with Jesus. Remember to take time to get away with him, to recharge, take that Sabbath time. I admit I'm not good at that. I need to do that too. Again, I want to thank everyone for how you serve. I also want to appeal to everyone that we still need volunteers in various ways. We do. That's the truth of it. And I don't want to be the hammer that comes down on everyone. I simply, in love, want to encourage you to be down on your knees asking God what you can do to help people find and follow Jesus here at Lakeside and in your community. Let's pray about that right now. Dear Lord, we thank you that you gave us this example of service. We don't know how to do that. We, we want to be the one being served. But thank you that Jesus gave us this example. Lord, thank you that we can be here at Lakeside, a place we can worship and learn about you and fellowship. We thank you for that so much. But it takes people to do it. I pray that you work in each one of our hearts to know what we should be doing. And work in our hearts too about the right attitude of of how we should serve in love for others. Thank you again for this time of looking to your word and of worship. We give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.